0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Urban Robot Cat Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Likens.
1: I'm Chris RWK. And I'm Corey from Strange Cat Toys.
0: And we're here for episode... Can you believe we've gone this this long? That's crazy. <laughs>
2: like every That's- week, except one. We had one yeah. one by bi- you week know, When we first started
0: out, it was kind of like, well, well, we'll do this and see how it works. And I guess it's working now. I mean, I was
2: down
1: for every week. You guys, you know, you guys weren't too sure.
0: Well, I mean, it's the editing that's the hard part.
1: Oh, I I thought you were worried about the fan base, because, you know.
0: Well, no, because I'm used to just talking to nobody, so I can do that too. (laughs) Is that what
1: Ohio does to
0: you? No, like, it's just, you know, you just keep talking and then uh, see if anybody responds. I mean, I like just doing it, so I don't care if anybody listens. I just like talking with you guys and putting it out there and seeing what people say. But it is nice to know that we have a following. We discovered there's been some more reviews and shares and looks like new subscribers and all kinds of stuff out there. So the fan base is growing and we definitely really appreciate all the support we're seeing um, from folks out there. But we need to talk about one other thing here, sponsors. So... Uh, Stickerfied made some wonderful stickers for us, and they want to do the same for you. Uh, you can check them out by heading over to stickerfied.com. Uh, and then also, No Love City, nolovecity.com. They're streetwear company that's been doing it since 2007, and they made some wonderful shirts for us. So if you want to show your love for the urban robot cat, make sure to head over to nolovecity.com and grab a t shirt for you. And you better hurry quick. Specifically, if you are an extra large, they are getting low over there. Uh, but while you're there buying your Urban Robot Cat T-shirt, you can get 10 percent off your order by using the code Urban Robot Cat at checkout. So that's about it for the sponsors.
2: How do you think we can focus in on smaller people to get some small shirts? So
0: we need to we need to get kids to like our show. Okay. So that means we need to probably not label it as explicit. So Chris, you're going to have to leave the show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look
1: at that. Look at that. Just like that, huh? I get cut out. You see? And yeah, we gotta sell merch,
2: man. What are we gonna get sugar fueled on? They're tiny. When
1: when I asked Michael like what size t shirt he needed, he told me a small and I was like, I don't think I've ever given a small to one of my friends before. And then Corey asked me for a small. I was like
0: what <laughs> You're making all kinds of small friends. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then you got me, extra large. <laughs> Just run running the whole gamut. How do we get people in the middle though
1: which is crazy because that's the prize to sell outs large then then extra large than medium
0: maybe uh maybe by five points i'll need a large that's yard. true
1: you are well you're going strong you're doing good right
0: if i shrink down my uh my diet here well
1: then then we get rid of one of the lodges see that's how it works
0: i'll have to i'll have to ask no love city for a large replacement
2: <laughs> what about the weather we didn't talk about the weather super hot today in florida shut up <laughs> super cold up there for you guys shut up <laughs> <laughs>
0: How it is every time. No, I got I got hit with a snowstorm today, so that was uh, that was interesting. It was like right when the commute happened too, which also made it more interesting. So, you know, you're trying to like dodge people driving 15 miles an hour like they've never seen snow before in their life. So. They must forget because they're in Ohio. You know, it only snows every other, every other I don't know, weekend in the winter. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I was going to say, it's Ohio. You guys should, like, be all ready and prepared for that.
0: Well, I think it's because uh, it hasn't really snowed this year. So, people were just kind of like, oh, here we go.
2: Panic. See people taking those turns and just sliding off the road. Yeah, and
0: I guess we haven't really had a snow, per se. Like, even today's was, like, an inch or something. You know, it wasn't, like, a super amount of snow. So, maybe people are just out of practice or something. I don't know.
1: And See, Corey, we would call that a dusting. I know that's not a word that you probably used before.
0: Yeah, but we don't have to worry about iguanas falling on our head when we walk outside. So,
1: I'd, I'd much rather an iguana fall on me.
2: I mean, they're not everywhere. They're like in the Keys. They're not like a statewide thing. Have I mean, it, they're not just hanging from lampposts in Orlando. So.
0: But we're not here just to talk about t-shirt size and the weather. We have a very, very special guest. He is the one the only Bleeding Edges. Hey guys. Welcome.
3: We can talk about shirts if you want though. I used to work at a screen printing factory, shout out to TDT. If y'all want to talk every single brand of shirt, I've touched them all and they're all very soft or not.
0: We, we had a very long discussion about t-shirts when we were talking about making some ourselves, so.
1: Ooh. We did, we did. Ooh. Corey did not appreciate the same no. shirts that me what, and Travis did. What brand did you go with?
0: Uh, well, we actually haven't made the sh- any shirts yet. We were just talking about doing it. So. Fair
3: enough. I really like the Gilded Hammer.
0: Oh, that's our shirt. That's the shirt that I like. Oh, man. Right? Gilded
3: Hammer.
0: T- the they're
3: too thick. I'm wearing it's, a sweater. It's thick. Yeah, I guess if you're in Florida that's too thick, but I like that one.
0: They hold their structure. Yeah, I like
3: mm-hmm. an American apparel.
0: Ugh, American
1: apparel. Ugh, I think the Gildan an- Hammer
3: is an- basically American apparel, but more boxy Gildan sized.
1: Yeah. Like and, that same softness. And a decent collar. Yes. The difference.
0: And they don't stick they don't stick to me.
1: <laughs>
3: like
0: they don't like suck in on me and like I'm wearing
3: a box when I'm wearing a gilded. I've noticed there's different types of gildan. There are some that like when you wash them they feel like sandpaper.
1: Those are the cheaper brand
2: cheaper oh, yeah.
3: ones. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: That's the hardcore shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've
3: got i w- I've got way too many cool looking shirts on terrible fabric.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Gilden Hammer is kind of like top tier streetwear T shirt. That or the what's the other one? Triple triple uh, A? The oh style? all
3: style. Yeah, their logo's like three A's, but it's all style. Yeah, those are good too. But they're they're you know like a little on the thicker side too.
1: And all I remember was like the mid nineties, every hardcore band had like either a hunter green shirt or a maroon shirt. And it was, it literally was Gildan, Delta, all well, the really good bands had the Fruit of a Loom shirt. Whoa. <laughs> they spent the extra dollar per shirt. And
3: it was only extra large. You didn't get a choice. You know, this is you know, shirt size, which is you know, one.
1: You know how many extra large shirts I gave to my cousin? And I, said, <laughs> I, I went through like, I had like all these awesome hardcore and punk shirts and I'm looking at him I'm like, yeah, I can never wear those again. I like, and my cousin who's like, I don't know, you, you, I think you've met Andrew. He's in Combust. He's
3: yeah, in passing.
1: So, he, so he's not like a big guy, and he's like, I'll take him. I'm like,
0: are you crazy?
3: That's and the weird I, thing too. Like a lot of people wear like just if if you're a medium, you wear an extra large now.
0: Well, a lot of that's the the vintage thing, right? Like they they just find the shirt and they're like, well, I got to buy it because it's the only size they have. And that's the crazy thing too is like, I'll talk to him and
1: he'll he'll tell me like. You know, like a sick of shirt that's $60. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, every
0: one of my friends had that shirt. Well, like, <laughs>
3: like
1: that was the mall shirt. Yeah.
0: but like, that
1: it's wasn't like, even the cool
0: shirt. Chris is like, I shouldn't have gave all those t-shirts away. I could have sold them for like $100 a piece.
1: No, no, no. No, I kept, I kept the shirts that I kept, I kept a token entry uh, on, on Posse record label. That shirt's mm-hmm. worth like a decent amount of money. And then I mm-hmm. kept a Iron Maiden uh, when they played New York City. And it has the Twin Towers on it. Oh! Somebody offered me like $200 for it. Wow. But I kept those because those are, you know, memories.
0: Someday you'll get $600. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, this is usually what Travis says. He, uh, so tell us, what do you do? <laughs> Aside from talking about shirts all
3: day? Yeah. <laughs> so I do a bunch of different things. Uh, right now I've got a Kickstarter right now for it to make a vinyl toy. I uh, made a vinyl toy last year of a character called Burrito, which was a bear wearing a burrito outfit. Uh, the one I've got on Kickstarter right now is Dr. Plaguewin, which is a plague doctor penguin. I also have stencils and spray paint on a canvas or whatever, but I'm probably more well-known for BXE Buttons, uh, and I do a lot of events with my wife, and we are BXE Buttons X Stacia made. So, Burrito. So, Burrito grew out of... Uh, do you remember the old uh, OMFG toy line that, like, October Toy did? It was on, like, the forum.
0: Yeah, so th- uh, for people that aren't listening, it's like a like a muscle figures, which mm-hmm. were toys back in the 80s that are kind of like a two-inch, like, toy that's like a single color.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, the- wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said for the people who aren't listening. Yeah, for the people that aren't <laughs> listening. Aren't listening to this episode or a previous episode?
0: <laughs> Any episode.
1: Because if they're not listening to I- this episode, we're kind of
3: screwed. So the toy line was interesting in that, like, there was a forum so that like people who were on the forum could submit designs. So one of the other guys on the group I was I was friendly with uh, goes by Dime Seven um, Seven Seven. He had kind of like, what would a burrito in a bear costume look like? So I was like, you mean a burrito? It looks like this, and I drew it up, <laughs> and he he sculpted it, and uh, it was it was cool. Uh, it didn't win for OMFG. so he just casted up his sculpting, and we sold them as like little rubber things. They were about, you know, I don't know, two and a half inches, two inches. And then he was like, what if it got made in vinyl? And I was like, I don't know. And then he showed me like a digital sculpt and I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. So I, you know, did the research, did a Kickstarter last year and got it made.
0: So it's like an injection molded little guy, right?
3: Well, no, no, the vinyl toy is, is vinyl, but the uh, okay, but the original one was just like a rubber resin.
0: Gotcha. How big is the, the vinyl version? It's about five inches. Oh, wow. Much bigger than I thought it was from the photo I was looking at.
3: Articulation at the the arms and waist too. Very cool. It's a like fight figure if uh, in the Sufubi world.
1: No, there's that word. Uh
3: oh, it's Sofubi. not it's not it's not it's not Sufubi. It's uh it was made in Mexico, so it's Mex <laughs> Mex Me- Me- uh,
0: El,
3: El Sofubi. I also thought it was. I just thought it was funny
1: to get a burrito made in Mexico.
0: Chris is learning more about the world of Sufubi. Well, I was oh. gonna say,
1: is there now? Am I supposed to learn that there's Mexican? So if it uh,
3: it's just I think it's just vinyl. Okay.
1: <laughs> so, the burrito
2: mm-hmm. and the Dr. Planguin mm-hmm. look like two totally different styles. do, do you feel so, like you have a style or do you feel like you can kind of be all over the place?
3: So I kinda wanted to go in a different direction with Dr. Plaguin. So I do a lot of like flea markets and, and stuff like that that like aren't necessarily like in the toy or art world and like, you know, people would see burrito and they're like, Oh, this is cool, and they're like it's $50, uh, I don't get it. So I figured if I could make something smaller, but, you know, draw a lot more detail into it, you know, figuring you're getting a little more bang for your buck. So that was kind of my motivation to going a little bit smaller. into one-part mold. It's going to be cheaper to buy. Um, so as far as, like, toys go, like, I don't think I necessarily have a style that I've found yet. It's just kind of character-driven at the moment. Okay.
1: Now, what you've done, so the the burrito that was a kickstarter also you said right mm-hmm. yeah because i'm kind of clueless with kickstarters so that got that got fully funded
3: yeah okay. that got funded um the way that i've done my kickstarter the the Bur- burrito and and dr Plaguewin like i kind of just figure out like what it's going to cost to make the molds what it's going to cost to make the actual toys i need to fulfill the order to get those molds made and stuff like that so with Barito you know, I ended up kicking in a lot more money than you know you saw on the on the actual Kickstarter. And with Dr. Plaguin, uh, you know, there's still you know my own investment going into it. I, I you know I didn't feel like if it was going to be under by like a couple hundred dollars, it's like I could have ate that. You know, I, I, the goal is
1: to get it made, and that's it. So, so with the new one, mm-hmm. that, that got fully funded pretty quickly, right? Uh, yeah, I did. It was like a day and a half.
3: I was like, wow. Wow. really? Awesome. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, Are you I'm... going with Mexico for that one also? So interestingly enough, no. Um, so uh, there was an article, I guess like a couple of months back on like the Toy Chronicle or something about a guy in America who's going to be pulling vinyl um, at Mile yeah. High Sofubi. So I hit that guy up right away just to, like, kind of introduce myself. Like, got a, got a toy I'm kind of thinking of doing. Like, what's up? And dude was super nice. Uh, we met at Designer Con, and uh, I'm going to be having him do it. So the way that's going to work is the, the prototype's going to go to China. They're going to make a mold. The mold comes back to America, and then all the vinyl just gets pulled in America from here on out. Um, which I think is, one, it's cool, but then also, like, you know, shipping, you know, a bunch of toys from China or from Mexico. It's expensive, but, you know. It's probably going to be like a $25, you know, charge to
2: mail them in, a, in America. It's interesting because, you know, I was always under the impression that the reason we didn't do vinyl here was because of, like, regulation on, on the, the vinyl, like, actually, like, pouring it, mixing it.
3: Yeah, I, I always thought that there was some element, or some chemical, rather, that you couldn't get in America. Um, well,
1: well, I'm sure it changed with the whole Trump thing. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: He, he, made it, he made it
0: easier. So there, there actually were toys that, you know, within the designer toy scene that have been, have been made in America. My Plastic Heart had a toy with Andrew Bell um, that was pulled here in America. Uh, it's, just, it, it's just not exactly the same plastic that you would get, you know, kind of in, in China or Japan or even Mexico. Like, it's all just a little different, right? It's not the exact same chemical, but it still works. I mean, it still does what it's supposed to do.
3: Oh yeah, I saw samples at DesignerCon, and I was like, "This is this is good. I
0: like it." So, uh, but there there was other toys, and there were companies back in the day. Voracious Vinyl was one that was trying mm-hmm. to get off the get I remember the them. Ground.
3: Now, were they the ones that did the Bob Conge uh, Mole one, or am I thinking of someone else?
0: Because
3: um, I remember there was a Kickstarter years ago, like probably like eight years ago, and there was like Bob Conge, like Molezilla character. I remember that was pulled in America
0: yeah I don't believe voracious vinyl pulled that one, so voracious okay. vinyl had a bunch of their their big thing that they were gonna make that kind of put them on the map was they had this ginormous um, Frank Kozik mal bust um, that was like clear clear vinyl um, that they had pulled it was like clear red and um i I think they just ran into like issues with being able to pull the figure and you know get it made and it just never happened but they they were like coming in hot, like, oh, we're going to make toys here in America. So everybody was watching them, and it just did not happen that I'm aware of.
3: Were they the same ones that did the buff monster prototype, too? That was, like, clear pink?
0: Yep, there was a clear buff monster prototype mm. that they had. And that
3: never, that never even came out. Nope,
0: it never came out. Nope, there were just photos of it. Yep. But, yeah, so it's exciting, though, to see somebody um, actively attempting to do it again. And hopefully figuring out a way to make it happen.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, in talking to some other people who've, who've gone to factories in Japan, they were like, they were like, pulling vinyl just sucks. Like, it's not cool, it's not fun, like, it's hot and there's chemicals and, like, it just kind of sucks. <laughs> and I was like, well, good on you. Someone else is doing it. That's great.
0: You know, and like, um, a lot of people, when you're making toys, you'll tell people kind of, hey, I make toys or whatever. And they're like, why don't you make them in America? You know, I get that question probably like once a month or something, you know? And, you know, part of, part of that, it's, it's actually a more complex answer than most people would think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. part, of, part of the issue is, is that toys haven't really been made in America for the past, like, what, 35, 40 years, right?
3: Even mass market doesn't make them in America.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the, and the biggest issue that you have there is that the skill just is gone. Mm. You know, it's like somebody to take the time and learn that skill and learn how to um, be able to make it here. Um, you know, good on him. Like, because, you know, we just don't have the current facilities to do that on a large scale, you know, and it's great to see somebody trying to take that on and make it happen here.
3: And I think, you know, with, you know, I know every episode you kind of get into like China coronavirus talk, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know what, like it, it, it's it's definitely, you know, it's affecting every, every maker more or less, you know, with enamel pins or toys or whatever. And it's like, you know, like if all your stuff's getting made and. In China, like, you know, I, my day job, like, uh, like our stuff's just stuck and we got Toy Fair in like two weeks. And it's like, well, uh, <laughs> I
0: guess
3: we just got to make it ourselves somehow.
0: Yeah, because I mean, with, uh, you know, most of the factories, we thought they would have been back at least a week ago. Um, oh, yeah. And so here we are like waiting. Yeah, you know? still waiting. And, um, it, I mean, my my factories have both said that they were going to be, you know, coming back on the 15th, but I'm kind of expecting another email that says they aren't you
3: know <laughs> Yeah, what, what i've gathered is that like the friday before they were supposed to come back they were answering email and saying we're not coming back monday and then last friday they were supposed to give us a status update so i'm expecting another status update this friday and i'm sure it's going to say they're still closed
0: yeah because most of it seems to be due to like roads and transportation so um I doubt. but
3: also i heard if if you open your factory early and it turns out that somebody came back sick or they found out somebody from the factory was sick, then you're shut down completely for like a month of quarantine or something like that.
0: Yeah, so they're not going to risk it.
3: <laughs> I, I hope not. There's, there's more important things out there than getting my enamel pins made.
0: Yeah, but um, you know, at some point, though, those folks that work there, they're going to want to start making money again.
3: Yeah, I'm I yeah. assuming that they're not getting paid.
1: Wait, so you're trying, to say, you're trying to say that the workers in China don't get treated fairly?
0: Wait, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy because those people's livelihood, you know, um, and unfortunately, and for people that don't know, sometimes what happens after Chinese New Year's, people don't come back to the factory but they can't, that they left, right? <laughs> and um, you got to make money. You're, you might leave and then the skill's gone and then here we are again with people having to learn and there's a learning curve. It slows everything down. And, you know, it just gets worse and worse. Right. We will see. But, you know, just we don't want to ask you to get too far into details. But, you know, I've heard some people talk um, from a large mass market kind of thing. Issues with fall releases, you know, Christmas releases. Is that kind of like a concern right now?
3: So I think the way it works uh, with Toy Fair coming up, they're buying for the fall, which is essentially Christmas. So uh, as far as like shipping stuff now, it's not as much of a Big deal, but it will become a big deal because I'm sure as, you know, understanding as, as someone like we would be uh, targets, probably not as understanding.
0: But, you know, it's just when you, you really start to think about the amount of stuff that isn't getting throughput right now and the amount of stuff that's sitting Possibly made that didn't make it out before the end of Chinese New Year that's waiting to get shipped. Even when they get back up and working, there's still going to be massive delays.
3: Well, I think every industry uh, that relies on China kind of knows that like Chinese New Year is like your downtime. So you try to kind of like bookend your work. But now we're starting to get into crap. And, you know, for for the industry I work into, like, uh, you know, Toy Fair and other sort of conventions are, are now.
0: For companies that are having exclusives of things like SDCC and stuff like that. New York Comic Con.
3: Yeah, I'm sure they're going to need that soon. So are you going to Toy Fair? That's so what I hear. I'll be there a couple of days, I think. I
1: used to love going. It was a fun show.
3: I feel like if you have a badge that says Exhibitor, you get treated a lot differently than if you have had a badge that said, like, buyer or press, I would imagine. Because yeah. as an Exhibitor, they're like, who do you work for? What are you going to steal from us?
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's what we should do. We should get Chris a press patch.
1: Back in the late, I guess, mid mid-90s, late 90s, my roommate, he did security at the Javits. So he would, he would get me a pass for like the auto show and, and Toy fair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it would be awesome just, you know, my, my pass had some random name on it or whatever. And, and I would love to just walk around and they'd give you so many samples. <laughs> <laughs> then, I literally would just walk out with like bags full of like toys that actually never made it to market or whatever. <laughs> but it was, it was awesome, you know, felt like a kid to candy. So I'm like, look at me. I'm like walking around getting <laughs> free shit.
3: Yeah, they give free stuff to people that don't have exhibitor badges. Exhibitor badge people, they're like, nope, you're the competition.
0: Chris is like, I work for Toys R Us. I'm a Toys R Us kid. What do you got? Whatever works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, toy toy fair is always a cool time though, because you get to see all the cool stuff companies are working on. Um, you know, and from a from a like, I don't make action figures, obviously, or anything mm-hmm. like that, but like just checking out like. Major advancements in toys is always super cool.
1: That was a big thing, yeah. Because like like this one figures and and like McFarlane and I think it was um, NECA. They had like great booths and they had like all the great like you know promos and stuff like that. I yeah. remember the
3: last time I went to uh, New York Toy Fair on the last day. Like Diamond Select was uh, they were like everything's for sale. We don't want to bring it back. And I got like a bunch of stuff like oh, dirt shit. cheap. <laughs> so <laughs> so this time if I'm there on that last day I'm bringing a couple extra dollars.
0: Right. He's just wandering around like the booth. He's just circling, waiting for him to say half off.
3: <laughs> yeah, that'll be me this year. So, what do you
1: what do you do for a day job?
3: Uh, so, I work for packaging uh, at a company that specializes in slime
1: compound type toys.
3: Seems weird, but uh, yeah, the company is like mostly just makes slime.
2: Caught on the last year or two, right?
3: Hey, let's keep it. Let's hope it it keeps cap uh, going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's
1: it's so random, like stuff like that. Like I knew a bunch of people that worked in like packaging companies that were in like mm-hmm. Jersey and stuff like that. Where it's like you don't even think of it. You just kind of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They need somebody to design it. But you wouldn't think it was happening in like these little suburbs in Jersey.
3: Yeah, the point Pleasant.
1: So like, oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs>
3: very very suburban, very beachy.
1: They have a great boardwalk.
3: They do. They. I was uh, I was up there a couple weeks ago.
0: Go get some cores.
3: Coors, Coors oh, you guys don't know anything
0: about that. No, when you said cores, I was thinking of like beer. No,
1: not, not, not from us. We're, we're both straight edge, so no, fine.
3: no.
0: I was confused. I was like, wait, Chris? It's,
3: <laughs> it's orange ice cream mixed with vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Creamsicle. Yeah. But soft serve.
1: Yeah. They and you get it with chocolate sprinkles. It's fantastic.
3: Whoa, slow down, slow down, Mister Moneybags over here getting sprinkles.
1: <laughs> And and it's funny that, well, actually, what do you, all right. see, we already said sprinkles, but what what do you guys call those things on ice cream? Sprinkles. All right, what about you, Corey? Sprinkles. Okay, so random parts of Jersey, they call them, they call them jimmies. Mm. Uh, I've heard that.
3: I don't know which region that dialect is, but I confirm that is true.
1: It's once you start getting to the, the Mason-Dixon line in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Where it becomes water ice instead of Italian ice. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I remember I went down in, I think it was, might have been Wildwood. Sounds and, right. and that's yeah. Jim, It's Jimmy territory. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, what's a Jimmy? And they're like, oh, you know, Jimmy's. And I'm like, no, I, I'm asking you, what is a Jimmy? And I like, they point to the Sprinkles. I go, oh, Sprinkles. They go, no, Jimmy's. And I'm like, no, you're, you're, you're messing with me. I'm like, Sprinkles, my parents had an ice cream store. That's called Sprinkles. Like, it says it on the packaging. It says Sprinkles. Like, they're Jimmy's. I just walked away. It's like I'm done.
2: <laughs> is there a difference for you guys with sprinkles and pralines? Pralines. Those are Praline.
1: nuts. yeah, pralines are nuts, right?
2: Yeah. No, they're like they look like sprinkles but they're circles instead of the nuts. the long and they're a little bit harder. Oh,
1: those are like those nasty like sugar ones. No, those suck. They don't taste like anything.
2: All right, well never mind. But my <laughs> wife made me go get her sprinkles one time and I got her those and I was like, It's the same shit and she tried to tell me what
0: <laughs> So she was correct. Yeah. yeah. Panel. Glad we can confirm, you know, these things for you.
2: Sorry, she doesn't listen,
1: so she won't know. That's right. <laughs> you can you could tell that we agreed with you. Go ahead. Okay, I'll tell her. <laughs> so you you also do a ton of pins. Oh yeah. What, I know a lot of the pins that you do. A lot of like uh, kind of pop culture, kind of mm-hmm. um, like uh, puns and stuff like that. Can you talk about some of those? I do the pin thing with
3: my wife, actually. Like, um, I had been doing. Uh, like large buttons for a while and uh well like it, buttons like uh you know like the kind you'd make with like a, a button maker type thing uh it was just sort of a supplement to a record label i was doing at the time uh and then i got into doing enamel pins through uh, i was working with brian from yard sale press and he kind of got me started on it and it just sort of Went crazy from there. So all the stuff that my wife does is usually like a bit more thought provoking or feminist, and mine's all just dumb pop culture references <laughs> or or cats. Uh, except for the RWK collab, which is very classy.
1: What pray tell? What is this?
3: Oh well, there is a uh, Chris has a robot character and uh, came up with the idea to make him a hardcore straight edge dude in a hoodie with X's on his fist, and uh, we've kind of rolled with that for a little bit. And I somehow convinced you to let me make socks of it as well.
1: And you know what? I get a ton of compliments on them. People love they, them. They really are like really good socks. They, they're like, those are the most comfortable socks I own. I'm like, I should probably wear a pair then.
3: <laughs> That's the thing. Like, like I, so I used to work for a company like that licensed like Levi's socks. So in doing that, for me, I don't know, socks are socks. But now I, I kind of knew what to look for in like what I wanted in a sock. So luckily I, I seem to have got it on the first try, which is awesome. I want to do more socks. If, if the pin game died tomorrow and the sock game boomed, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm already here, guys. Let's do this. As long as I could still sell my pins, though, I have to get rid of those before the pin boom ends. <laughs> before I go full sock.
0: So, you're talking about collabs with cats and Chris. Have you thought about urban robot cats?
3: Let's do it. Let's fuck let's do this for five points. Let's make this happen.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know though if the factories will be able to make them in time now. That's right.
3: <laughs> Knowing me, I'll find somewhere in America to get them made and it'll be great.
0: There you go.
1: <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way.
3: So
0: so as a as a pinmaker though, you do bring up a good point for people mm-hmm. that are listening on the uh, the old radio or podcasting mm-hmm. here. Um Occasionally, you will have people tell you, like, if you're trying to find a source to make pens for you, mm. well, these are, ma-, you know, like, I'm a company here in America. Yep. They sure. are more than likely just a middleman. Oh, exactly.
3: yeah. No, yeah. No, the company's in America, but the factory's not. Yeah. yeah I've, 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 So when I started out, I started working with a couple middlemen, and um, it was good because I didn't really know what I was doing. But now that I know what I'm doing, I talk directly to China. But nothing nothing against someone who's going to be a middleman if you know somebody doesn't if needs help that's that's fine
0: but no, I mean like it's it's one of those things that like I think sometimes um, those companies kind of sell people a bill of goods, and it's important to know that you know because sometimes we're trying to reveal things on this podcast
3: Is there a company uh, that makes enamel in america is is that one of those weird like it's too toxic to make in america situations
1: there's there supposedly is
0: one. I think it might be based in Texas
3: really? or Arizona. Huh.
0: I feel like there's got to be somebody out there that can do it.
3: There has to be, right?
0: Because especially now with like CNC machines and whatnot, you know, like just cutting it, like cutting the pin, they can easily do here.
3: And it's got to be all digital the way it's painted.
0: Yeah, somehow. Like, a, like an inkjet printer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> kind of like a laser cutter, but with ink on it.
0: So, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. But I do know most of those companies are just middlemen.
3: Yes, for sure. We've actually, like, we had, uh, at some, like, patch and pin expo or something, there was, like, somebody who's like, oh, I I make patches, and and I'm in America. And, like, I got a quote, and it was like, dude, this is, like, three times the cost of what China's, like, doing. (laughs) It's like, I get it, but, like,
0: And people are just so used to paying retail what, you know. People typically charge for items like that. So it's almost impossible, even if you tell them it's made in America, like, oh, unfortunately for most American manufacturing and whatnot, the reason, part of the reason it went away is because people got used to paying that lower price. So it's almost impossible to bring it back. And even if you do bring it back, when we bring factories back to America, they're going to automate more stuff, which isn't necessarily going to create more jobs, right? So it's just kind of, it's kind of like a catch-22 you know, like, it's like a, it's a loop. It's a really good idea. Let's bring it back. Let's do this. But people, A, have to be willing to pay more, and B, the companies have to be willing to not automate as much so that we create more jobs. But, you know, it's a whole social political thing.
3: Yeah, and, and, I, and I think the visual of something being made in America has maybe gone away. Like, there used to be, like, a couple T-shirt companies that had, like, Made in America, Union, Pride, whatever, on them, and it's like, they probably all went out of business. Like, you'd never see stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I think there's some things that definitely make sense. Like, why are we, but then there's some things that's like, Hey, the skill is gone. You know, it's just not here anymore. And, um, even if we bring it back, it's going to take 10, 15 years for us to get to the quality level probably that you're seeing out of what you're getting out of China, just because the skill level is there. That's it's, it's over there. The people that make stuff are over there. That's very true. So it's going to take some time if we even brought stuff back to America.
3: I mean, you even look at like this. If, like designer toy stuff, like that's made in China, like especially the ones that are trying to be like Sufubi. Like even in the last like five years, like their like vinyl quality's gotten better. Like their production's like way better. Like I, I think sure. I think even in the Sufubi world, they're definitely like gunning for China and for Japan. I mean, people are gonna go to Japan for the tradition and everything. But uh, you know, I've seen I've seen lots of stuff where it's like that's that's not Japanese.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the biggest issue in, you know, in Japan has always been the the bottleneck and like the secretiveness Mm. of it and like all this stuff. And and, I mean, that's all great for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, tradition and whatnot, but it it makes it hard when you're actually just trying to make a product.
3: Yeah. And when I was doing my research to uh, get burrito made, like I definitely, I talked to someone in Japan and they were super nice. It was, uh, you know, someone American who's in Japan, so it was easy to talk to them. But, um, pricing wise and turnaround time and other stuff like that. It's like, it's just, it wasn't worth it. Like, I, I don't, I don't really want to wait like three years to get a toy made really.
0: Yeah. And all that money that you got to lay out to, you know, up front.
3: Yeah. Wait, wait.
0: And to not see anything come back for like two or three years when you could easily see a max a year out of China, you know, unless you really screw something up.
3: I feel like Mexico, it was like two months I'm ready to go. Yeah. They're good. I think I, I paid them in January, and I had it by, like, late March. <laughs> it's, like,
2: insane. You think that's something that's going to grow in Mexico?
0: Because
3: uh, I've been hearing about it for years. But You know, I don't know. I only know my own personal experience. Um, I don't know if there are other factories and other stuff like that. So I had a fine experience. I've talked to other people who, who had, like, more weird experience than I. But, uh, no, I thought it was fine. The vinyl qualities uh, I, I compare the vinyl to sort of like a like a, a money. Like it's a little matte and the vinyl's thick. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a toy and it's tangible and it's in your hands. So, you know, it's cool.
0: <laughs> um, some of the older Mexican vinyl, like when people, I don't know, this was probably like 2011 or 12, people started saying, hey, is going to be the place to go, right? Um, some of those toys I felt like were kind of like, like the soft vinyl was almost kind of like what you'd expect to see for like a dog toy. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but I, I've seen stuff since then. I think it's a little better. Um, but again, it, I think it depends on what, what factory you end up in. Because there probably are factories that are making like, you know, like a rubber ducky or something, you know. And they're like, oh, yeah, we can make your thing. And then, then you get it and you're like, this isn't <laughs> what I thought I was getting. <laughs> like, something was lost in translation right. here.
3: Yeah, and the, the one that I went through I was going through another a toy artist who gets his toys made at that factory, so I knew they sort of knew like, you know, what was going on. It wasn't right. something weird.
0: When you're when you're getting ready to make your toy, what what made you go from, you know, doing patches pins and like, "Hey, I want to make a toy." Or was it just like, "Oh." Oh,
3: just just being a toy nerd for for forever, uh, you know. Uh, collecting Star Wars toys and then obviously collecting like vinyl toys and stuff like that. Like as an artist, you're like, well, that'll be me one day, <laughs> you know? Uh, and just with like the DIY, like punk background, it's like, yeah, I want to make a toy. So I'm just going to make it like, that's kind of like, <laughs> I'm not going to wait for anyone to offer me. I'm just going to do it.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, we've kind of talked about it before, but I think the ability to find out how to make stuff is just the internet's made it mm-hmm. so much easier. Um, it's
3: Yeah, I was a little worried about, like, gatekeeping and, like, people, like, like, oh, that's an ancient secret that I can't share. But, like, no, people have been, like, super awesome, like um, Vincent Scala, who did the Lucky Cat toy and Work Dog, ridiculously helpful with all that stuff. But, uh, no, I, I, you know. It just took a little bit of research and, like, you can do it.
0: A bunch of cash. (laughs) Well, that's
3: where where Kickstarter comes in because I don't have that.
0: So um, when you decided to do your Kickstarter, what was the most challenging part about, um, you know, the process? Building it, you know, managing it, um, being successful on Kickstarter or the back end of fulfilling orders? What was the most challenging thing to you?
3: Well, filling orders is something I do every week anyway, so that was easy. The hardest part is math. Like, cause you, you don't want to like get it wrong. Like you want to be like, okay, I need this much money. And then you don't want to be like, well, that's not enough or that's too much. And it sounds like it's too expensive to get funded or something like that. So it's, it's kind of finding the sweet spot in the middle where you're like, okay, I can, I can sort of like justify it here. But if I ask for this much, I feel like I'll be greedy. So uh, it's just kind of doing the math breakdowns that I found hard.
0: I think two people, um, you're know, building a Kickstarter sometimes don't fully understand the, fee structure of Kickstarter, so the, yes, for, the, exactly. the percentage fees that they take along with the credit card mm-hmm. processing fees um, and also yeah. in remembering that the shipping that you charge um, to a backer gets counted mm-hmm. into your tally of how much money you're bringing in.
3: So, that I forgot. <laughs> see, here we go, for <laughs> <an> luckily, example. <laughs> luckily I'm a little over, I'll be okay.
0: Wait, what is that? Wait, wait, say that again?
3: So say that your your backing tier is like 25 bucks but it costs $5 to ship it. You see a $25 pledge, but that $5 should be totally separate from anything that Kickstarter is getting a percentage of. Like that's my shipping money. Like, why are you taking some of this? Cause it just kind of ends up all in the same pot, which uh, it shouldn't be that way, but what are you going to do?
0: And also to um, you, so you build your goal, Chris, right? You're like, it's going to cost $15,000 to do this but you should remember to include i'm going to have to ship 100 packages at $5 a piece so i need to add you know x number of dollars of uh, funding on top of my goal mm-hmm. to cover oh. that shipping gotcha. because w- what people do sometimes like what's going to cost me fifteen thousand, but they don't think about the fact that kickstarter is going to take a percentage there's credit card mm-hmm. processing fee and they yep. should also be counting their shipping mm-hmm. and then they get to the end they're like i'm out of money and then they're like 1500 dollars short or something <laughs> and then they can't figure out how to get 1500 dollars to ship all the stuff out and uh. then they're like well eventually i'll get this out to you guys <laughs> <laughs> wow. but you know it's like it's it's just stuff like that that it's not inherently obvious unless you know a done a Kickstarter or b done a lot of research. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. like I always like talking to people that have done Kickstarters and see what they kind of thought throughout the process, you know, building the Kickstarter campaign and developing what it is that you're selling and how you're going to create add on items or additional items that, you know, essentially cause people to, you know, your per backer pledge amount to increase um, Pins, or you know here's your toy plus a pen plus a print plus a whatever or two toys and an extra colorway or whatever else you do all those things are very important to do because you're trying to increase the per backer amount and increasing the per backer amount obviously decreases the total number of backers that you need to have so like gotcha. if you you need $15,000 and your item's $100 well you need 1500 you know sorry 150 people to back it right gotcha but if you can get that down to like 75 people you're more than you have more options as far as not having to reach as many people unless you're exploding kittens or something and you can reach a bajillion (laughs) people in a month but you know it's like it's so hard for people sometimes to think it's like man i've got this great idea right and I'm going to put it on Kickstarter. and People are going to love it.
3: I think Kickstarter also kind of had some negative connotation when it first came out and people thought it was just free money. And they're like, Oh, uh, I want Kickstarter so I can get groceries. And it's like, dude, no, that's like not how it works, dude. Like, no, it's like for getting projects made. Like, it's not like anything like weird. And like people, like there was like bands that were like, Oh, we're going to go on Kickstarter and like fund the recording of our album. And people were like, well, that's fucking stupid. And it's like, where do you think that money comes from? Like, that's an awesome idea.
0: Especially when record labels weren't giving out contracts and stuff.
3: They're know. not giving you any money now to record shit, man. If that works, if like Kickstarter is your way of doing it, like, yeah, you should be doing that.
1: So there's a difference between, say, Kickstarter and GoFundMe.
3: Yes, GoFundMe is like, you're literally that's, just that's free money in.
0: Back to last week, Chris. If you, if you wanted to develop some sort of way for me to get my gas gauge fixed, you would do that on GoFundMe, not on Kickstarter.
1: That's it. Okay. All right. Got it. GoFundMe, I won't have to give anybody anything. I just no. get stuff and Kickstarter actually actually give them a product. Got it.
3: Well, actually, <laughs> there's no guarantee from Kickstarter that you will deliver the product. There's no ramifications if you don't. I've actually backed a project that the dude totally ghosted everybody and like went off with a lot of money. And there's really no repercussions from Kickstarter whatsoever.
0: Yeah. I mean they, they, they say that at the in the on the beginning of their websites basically like You're backing the idea that somebody's going to make this thing happen. If they don't make it happen...
3: You're sort of in good faith.
0: they don't make it happen, they basically say sometimes it doesn't work out. But a creator should do everything in their willpower and power to make it happen. But there's no guarantee that it'll do anything. You are, you know, backing out of good faith that you trust that thing. And that's why being like a that's crazy a Kickstarter that's had a couple of Kickstarters funded or, you know, somebody that's been a proven track record of making things happen. You know, th- those people tend to do better on Kickstarter, you know, unless you have a way to get it out there. Because a lot of people underestimate the marketing that goes behind it, too. So, you know, people come in, and they're like, OK, well, I'm going to put up my Kickstarter and then people are just going to find it. Mm. And that's not how it works. You have to basically figure out, you know, things within your collectors or scenes or forums or you know somewhere to share the information. If there's blogs or uh, Instagrams or you know any kind of YouTubes or whatever to talk about your product, mm-hmm. getting out there and doing that media tour, kind of like you're going on all the late shows, is a thing right like you have to do that because again it goes back to what we talked about with instagram previously <laughs> how does somebody ever find you if they never knew you existed and, and with a kickstarter it's even worse because you've only got 30 days to figure it out
3: yeah but i think there are people that will search kickstarter specifically for certain things yes so you'll get some rand there's a lot of random people on who backed mine Lo- love y'all
0: <laughs> getting that jump at the beginning of the Kickstarter to where it like picks up enough to where you get like 15 to 20% funded within a certain number of days. And the Kickstarter starts featuring you on pages and stuff like that. That's all like super, super important to being successful. Um, Because if you're a project they love and all that stuff, it it does help because they start pushing your project as well. And you know, generally a Kickstarter is, most Kickstarters are successful are funded um, at least 75% within the first like three to four days. And then also on the tail end of it, so usually a Kickstarter has like a a big peak, a big valley, and then another peak. So like generally what happens is the first week, it's like gangbusters, and it tailors off for a little while, And then the last week and a half, it starts to pick up again. Specifically, if it's funded, if it's already funded, it'll it'll skyrocket at the end because people are like, "Oh, it's going to happen."
3: I found like because like I've I've used Kickstarter just for backing projects also as more of a fan. Um, And I'll if I see something cool, I'll just hit the little like remind me thing at the bottom, and then like two days before it ends, it like reminds you, and then it's like, "Okay, I got to give that guy money." Cool. Um, so I think that's probably why the last like couple of days, like things tick up. Cause if somebody has it in there, like, you know, like watched like campaigns, then yeah.
0: but You know, there's a whole, there's a whole science to Kickstarter. Obviously there's like age ad agencies and stuff like that now that are involved with it. As soon as
3: you put one up, you get hit up by like a thousand. Oh
0: yeah. They oh, yeah. like, you get a hundred emails. I think, like,
3: with, oh God. It was, it was within like the first, like. I want to say five minutes that it went live. I had some agency hitting me up like, Hey, we can
0: get your project back. If you're uh, considering starting a Kickstarter and you do it and then you get those emails, I don't recommend paying any of those people. (laughs) Just a heads up.
3: Oh God, no, I wouldn't do that anyway. There was one guy who uh, like, like it was uh, my first project that I had done that got funded. And uh, they were like, "We can help you meet your goal." And I was like, "Well, you've done no research because I've already met my goal." And they're like, "We can make you go higher." And I was like, "Well, I don't <laughs> want to go higher. I can make I can get it made now. Like, why do I have to go higher?"
0: But you could get it made doubly.
3: No. Well, my first my first Kickstarter project was uh, my my stepson had designed an enamel pin, and uh, and part of me was like, I could just make this kid's dreams come true and have a pin made. And it's like, or I could teach him a lesson about maybe failing. So I went to Kickstarter with it, and I realized. If you put a cute kid on something, people are going to give you money. So, so that got funded, Uh, and he didn't learn a lesson about failure.
0: Uh, It was a good attempt at hard love.
1: Well, you know, I'm the stepdad, so I got to be hard.
0: Well, I was gonna say,
1: speaking of which, you also, besides doing all these other things, you also do a YouTube show with your stepson. Yes. Uh, So that's my
3: attempt. That's my attempt to be a stage mom. (laughs) and <laughs> uh, exploit him now for, for child labor. We came up with the idea to do a YouTube channel where he goes through my large record collection and he's never really showed any interest in much music. So he's just going through my records and listening to them and giving it like honest reviews. And it's it's kind of funny to see like a 13 year old's take on like Metallica. Cause and for me, it was just like, this is Metallica, this is what it sounds like. And he's like, why are these songs so long? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Why are those songs so long? I guess it never hit me. But this is like kind of what he's experiencing in this like, you know, more modern instant gratification kind of thing. He's like, these songs should be like a minute long. This is terrible. <laughs> so, I mean, he liked it, but he was like, I'd like it better if it was these songs were like half the length, you know, so. So then um, you let him
1: start, he started picking from the punk section then.
3: <laughs> well, well, we started with Black Flag, went to Metallica, then. um Descendants and then the Misfits one will be up by the time this airs. I'm putting that up Monday, but then it's going to start getting weird after that. Like you know, you could do the the punk, the punk classics for so long, and then you start getting into the weird punk, and it's going to get weird punk real soon. So I, I look forward to hearing what he thinks of Septic Death and Totalitar. Uh, nice. He's going to be very confused.
1: Well, you, you know what I could suggest is have him listen to this one band. It's called ICP. Okay. It, Episode. He actually he asked about that. <laughs> episode. Corey could <can> suggest <laughs> he, some great
3: albums. Send me a record, we'll put it on. Uh, he actually asked me, he's like, what is the insane clown posse?" Because we were we were at the uh, Trenton punk rock flea market, and he saw his first Juggalo. And. Uh, <laughs> He was like, they're real? He was like, can we listen to Insane Clown Posse on,
1: on the YouTube channel? I was like, I don't own any, and I don't want to buy any.
0: Chris can let you borrow one. He's got it still wrapped in paper. Yes, I still have
1: the great Malenko wrapped in, in its original <laughs> packaging because I thought it was going to be worth something. I was like, What's that on Discogs right now? I don't know, it's probably under a can of soda right now. <laughs> but, uh,
3: yeah,
0: so that,
1: that's actually a pretty fun project.
0: Yeah, I watched a couple of the episodes. I thought it was pretty cool hearing you know, somebody's take on it. Um, that are hearing it for the first time, and then also from a totally different generation of people. So
3: we came up with the idea that, like, instead of like you know wearing what he normally wears, we're going to kind of curate it so he's wearing like shirts of like artists that we like. Like, so shirts I'd get at, like Decon or Five Points or whatever, just from independent people. And uh, uh, we have a Chris R W K shirt at the end of every episode uh, that he's wearing, and then uh, you know a couple of people like like uh, our friend Dangerbot Kilco gave us a free shirt, and he's like. You can have the shirt if you review Madball. It's like okie dope. So <laughs> we can we can be bought. Don't worry. If you want to give us a free shirt and suggest an album that I own, we can make this happen. But I had people that was like, "Oh, can I give them like one of my Led Zeppelin albums?" And I was like, "No, it sounds awful. I don't want you to do that." <laughs> don't <laughs> do that. Not, I've Kinda got good. I've got lots of weird stuff for you to listen to. You don't need Led Zeppelin. But yeah, so we're trying to you know just you know give a, a small rub to some to some independent artists as well, rather than wearing like a billabong shirt that's not going to do anything for anybody.
1: I like that that you said billabong. Well, he was wearing one
3: the other day. That's where it came from. I don't know. Is that still a brand?
1: Does he own a a, a body glove shirt too? (laughs) (laughs) Where are you getting this kid's clothing?
3: Pacific Sunwear Clothes Outlet? I don't know.
1: Does he have a Hyper Colors t-shirt too?
3: Dude, I I found a Bugle Boy shirt. In a thrift oh. store.
1: <laughs> it's like, of course. It's neon
3: green. and It's a black shirt with neon green puffy ink on it. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: And and on the back, okay. it's got like a surfer and it says something obnoxious. But it's like, it's a short wide. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's like a belly, belly
1: shirt. shirt. It's a belly shirt.
3: Yeah. It's great. I love it. I, it was like $2. It was the coolest thing ever. Fucking Bugle Boy.
0: You got to find him a, an and one t-shirt.
3: Oh, jeez. I'll have to go to the thrift store for that
0: one. Or a no-fear shirt.
3: I did find one in the thrift store last week, and I thought about getting
0: it. Do you guys remember
1: the Johnson shirts?
3: The big Johnson? Yeah. I never wore them.
1: I never wore them, them. but do you remember them? Oh, I remember them. (laughs) Oh, my God. They were so bad. It was great. I I thought it was funny that that brand was a Kappa. K-P-A. Started to kind of like make a a comeback recently. That was the one with like the two silhouettes, The two two girls girls. back-to-back. Yeah, Give yeah. ah, me
3: those like swooshy soccer breakaway pants.
1: Yep, they were gonna take out Adidas.
3: Jinko tried to come back too. It didn't work.
1: Oh come on! You had at least one pair of the tan pants. Everybody I did. Didn't.
3: I swear I didn't. I no, my parents didn't. shopped at like Kmart. I didn't. <laughs> I couldn't get uh, Jinko. Get I was gonna
0: say, didn't they sell them at Kmart? What are you talking about? No. I definitely had twelve-year-old uh, me. Definitely had some Jinkos.
1: <laughs> I had a pair of the tan pants because everybody had them, <laughs> and and I think I wore them one time. And I, and this girlfriend I had, she took them and she wore them all the time, because they were they were like huge and comfortable. I'm like, I, I, I can't. I'm like, I, 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 if I wear those, I don't have feet. I, I can't do it. Look at <laughs> a fucking ghost walking around. God.
0: Ironically enough, I think um, as a child I actually like the like the graffiti tags on the pockets more than I like the pants.
3: Oh, that's right. Yeah, like
0: I, that's something I remember. Like, I mean, being in Ohio, this is like my first exposure to graffiti. <laughs> like, it's these little pockets on the jinkos, right? So, I mean, that it was very but, Limp looking. Yeah, very, very much so. Horrible. It's so funny. Like, I did
1: I did a drawing a couple years ago where it was a guy holding a sign that says, "In ten years, your clothing and haircut will look stupid," and. <laughs> And it really is the truth because like I look at pictures back then and I'm just like, first off, everybody see, you guys are younger than me, but in like ninety six, everybody had dyed blonde hair, especially if you listen to any kind of hardcore punk. Yes, hello. And and it was so No, I looked really
3: good blonde. What are you talking about? It was blonde and then it was gelled toward the front. Oh
0: yeah. Oh definitely. Like and like suction down to your head.
3: The Caesar cut? No, no, no. It like so like it went forward and then you pushed it up.
0: Like the bangs thing? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, Grimley. And Grimley. Yeah, now now I don't have any hair to worry about, so it's cool.
0: At least you didn't do the Cisco, right? That like silver thing. Oh god. I saw a picture of him the other day and I was like, that that was he really did that. Like
1: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you you look back on the on styles and stuff. like that. That's why I think it's hysterical that like things from the '90s and, and '80s like coming back. Yeah. And like you see, like first off, I saw somebody wearing overalls.
3: Oh yeah, With, my stepson bought overalls recently. I think as a joke, but like we're like, you're not wearing those. But no, they're total. Overalls are totally a thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, the cho- the choker necklaces. I see those from time to time. I was like, totally a thing. What year is it? Like
2: yeah.
3: yeah.
1: The Timberland boots. Well Timberland boots
0: don't go out of style in New York.
1: That, but no, like, no,
3: no. It's that's a Queen's thing, maybe. But
0: uh. <laughs> here's another good thing I saw. You remember like the like earth tony color shirts with just like a white mm. and black line like straight across the chest? Oh
1: yeah.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That was like such a like nineties staple, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Definitely i I've definitely seen like six people wearing them this year.
1: That's like something that's that's on like a no doubt cover. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the the fan photo, the the band photo. It's got them. Yeah, like, somebody's the wearing clothes. that shirt. Absolutely. The guitar player's wearing that
0: with one of those like little metal ball necklaces. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Those are those yeah, back that. yet? I hated those. They've
0: got to be coming back. I had one when I was like thirteen.
1: <laughs> I'm waiting for the chain wallet to come back. I I still have a chain wallet, and I tucked the chain in my pocket. But that's <laughs> that's because of that's because of my. My nervousness of you know commuting every day and somebody trying to steal it. It's attached to you on a chain. that's not going anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we 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 actually made
3: a chain wallet uh, enamel pin, uh, which we thought was hilarious. But you know the buying public maybe
1: not, not as much. I thought it was funny that, that that last last episode Josh kept mentioning that I was dating myself. I'm like, how the hell else am I gonna? I, I talk about experiences.
3: I made a welcome back Cotter joke at work like yesterday, and you could tell who was like older who got the joke. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> I only know it from Nick at Night. It wasn't it was before my time, I swear." One of the guys from Welcome Back Cotter actually passed away in my old apartment before I moved in.
1: Okay, wait, hold on, wait. <laughs> All right, please elaborate on this one because
3: so uh, you remember Epstein, the one Absolutely. who had a note from his mom. Yeah, uh, yeah. At, Juan, at some Juan Epstein. point, Juan Epstein. So at some point, he was living in Metuchen, New Jersey, at my old apartment, and uh, died there. Really? Uh, yeah, and uh, and at some point, uh, Stacia, who's my wife, was my girlfriend at the time, uh, was attacked by a ghost, and we think it was it was Epstein's ghost. Oh my god! So a celebrity ghost attack.
1: That he died in 2012. Look at that. Yeah, and I
3: moved in there like a couple months after he passed away. Apparently, I had I used to have his old air conditioner.
1: <laughs> you might want to get rid of that. It might be contaminated. Oh, it's, it, it, it's gone. I sold it on Craigslist. Right. Did you, wait, wait, real quick. Did you sell it as one Epstein? <laughs>
3: I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I told them. I think I was just like, "It sure works." Bye. Thanks for twenty bucks.
0: So the the question is. Did they tell you when you moved in that somebody had recently died in the apartment?
3: They did, yeah, yeah. Well, it was the apartment right across from mine. But yeah, they did say like, hey, you remember, welcome back, Cotter. Yeah, it was a weird question.
1: That's crazy. Look at this. January 26, 2012. (laughs) You're wikipedia suffering it right now. Absolutely. After suffering (laughs) chest pains at his home in Metuchen, New Jersey. First off, off, how much money are you making that you can live in Juan Epstein's building or he how was, much money did he not make? That yeah, He was not making. <laughs> I think I was on the way up. He was on the way down.
0: I mean, I, I like that it was a selling point of the apartment complex. Like he he lived here.
3: <laughs> it wasn't not a selling point.
0: <laughs> it I didn't, didn't
3: even,
1: deter me. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm I, that's a pretty cool random fact. All right. <laughs>
3: you can ask Stacia about it next time you see her when she got At, about when she got attacked by him. <laughs>
0: absolutely so chris chris learned something this episode
1: yeah i I learned something every episode what are you talking about
0: exactly that's what i'm saying
1: so besides the the toys the pin the day job all Mm -hmm. these other things you also are in a band yeah i'm playing
3: a band called Wallbreaker. uh we just actually put out a new demo promo ep whatever the kids are calling it these days so three songs but uh we previously released an ep and and an lp and we went to europe somehow
1: what do you do in the band
3: I play bass and sometimes I back up yell. But uh but like with that with that band's cool cuz I like I write a lot of the music which is kind of fun and uh, the other the guitar players like really good friends of mine. We've known each other for years and want to do a band for forever. So there's there's almost like a subtle arms race of who can write the most songs. So it it's it, it forms a nice like competition and motivation in a way. But no no it's it's, it's been really fun. Uh we don't really get to play that much just cuz we're like kinda older and have day jobs and then all that stuff so it's like i'm not i'm not really gonna go on a tour anytime soon but it's it's just fun to like write and play I and mean, stuff.
0: creative outlets like that are always great for people you know to be able to express and do things in different ways you know
1: of course it's a hardcore band and it's a mm-hmm. straight edge band or yeah we
3: so we're like we don't like really push the straight edge thing aside from our like band camp url that which is wallbreaker com. but we don't really like push it too hard. But yeah, we're all straight edge. Um, We actually lost our drummer recently and somehow replaced him immediately with another older straight edge guy (laughs) who can play drums. Go figure. Straight edge drummer is always the hardest one to find, but uh, we found one. He lives in Philly and now we practice in Philly. Nice. I got to swing by the Mothership Gallery after practice last week. It was great.
0: They just moved to a new space.
3: Yeah, it's really nice. It's much bigger. It's like wider.
0: Wider is better, just like Pontiac in the 90s. (laughs) If
3: one of your walls is taken up by, like, an art show, you want it a little wider so you're not, like, in front of it like all
0: the time. And it makes it easier to take photos.
3: The other one was a little, it was a little, like, cramped when there was, like, a show opening or something.
0: But, yeah, uh, their new space, I, they've got some murals and stuff in there. I think it's uh, I hear it's pretty cool.
1: Zero did one in there. Uh, zero productivity. So, speaking of art shows, you, you have something in an art show coming up, right? Uh,
3: yeah, I've got a, a piece in a show in California at San Francisco. It's a like a punk themed art show called Punk on the Western Front, uh, 1984 to 2020, something like that. Um, and it's at Art Attack in San Francisco. Uh, I won't be at the opening, unfortunately, but it's it opens February 29th, I believe. Nice. And that's a that's a piece where I I spray painted. I made some stencils. Well, I drew it in Illustrator, made stencils, spray painted it onto an old LP cover. And then uh, framed it up, and it's out there. I haven't actually posted it yet, but I'll probably by the time this airs, it'll have been posted.
1: Nice. That, that show's got uh, – Jello is in that show, right? Jello Biafra?
3: Yeah, there's an insane lineup. I don't know why, why I'm <laughs> – I think I have just an inferiority <laughs> complex in general of, like, why am I in this? But then it's like, oh, well, I guess I've done, like, a lot of art shows over the years, so I guess I've, I'm here. But I don't know. <laughs> it's just a real honor to be, like, with a lot of these, like uh, – kind of bigger names i
1: I think jello biafra was planning on being there too that's pretty cool that's really cool i mean not as cool as Juan epstein dying in your your
3: (sighs) we can't live on our past glories we got to move forward and do art (laughs) shows with jello biafra i suppose well i had done one art show like a while back and apparently uh kirk hammett from metallica was there and uh my friend, who organized the show, uh, Chogren, was like, "Yeah, I think Kirk Hammett might have bought your piece," and I was like, "I'm not really sure." And I was like, "Nope, story stops there. Kirk Hammett <laughs> bought my piece." And I was like, "We're not, we're not going to play this maybe thing. Kirk Hammett <laughs> bought my piece, and that's where it lives now. So I'm just going to pretend I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but here we are.
0: Hey, sometimes you know, half truths are what we have to live on. Hope. Are you
3: going uh, to be at five points this year? Oh, of course! I I love Five Points. That's one of my favorite uh, conventions. I remember the the first Five Points. Like uh, my wife and I went to kind of like case the joint. We were like, I don't think I don't think we're there. We we're going to rob anybody now. Uh, but we were like, like I don't know if we're there. That's like we're not big enough to do this yet. But like this is really cool. So like we went and we we're like, okay, let's make it a goal to like do this next year. And We did the second Five Points, and then we did the one last year, and we're we're definitely doing this year. It's it's kind of become like one of our like. You know, kind of our staples, like we, we have to do
0: this. Yeah, I mean, it's a good size show, too. You know, it's... It's uh, it's
3: geographically very close to us, too. And,
0: like, uh, you know, depending on what booth sizes you get, you can get a pretty reasonable price table. Um, and you can also, um, you know, kind of walk around the show some. It's not so bad, you know,
3: like... Yeah, well, well, it's like DesignerCon. It was, like, it was pretty, like, daunting to, like, even attempt to walk around. Like, I actually had a, a pretty good friend who was, like, I ran into him, like, like going to the bathroom or something. He's like, oh, i got to, like, see you. What aisle are you in? And he was like, oh, 21. And I was like, I'm in 22. Where are you? <laughs> he was literally, like, just up and around a corner. And I was like, holy crap. So there's a lot you're going to miss at, like, DesignerCon. But I feel like Five Points, you can definitely, like, do a bathroom, wander, and eventually see all of it, which is nice.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, like, the growth of Decon has been amazing. And, like, to be able to get mm-hmm. all that stuff in yeah. one place is is absolutely sure. awesome. And see, like the crazy growth and bringing in bigger brands and like bigger installations and all this stuff. Um, but as a vendor it has made it very hard to be able to experience (laughs) or see anything. Um, and and also too, as, as a vendor, it's hard to leave the, like your quadrant, you know, you're like in your area. So you see the booths around you and then you're like, Oh, I want to go see such and such on the clear on the other side. And you just race over there. Um, at five, at five points, you can,
3: yeah, or or if you're there's somebody on the way to the bathroom, you'll see them a lot. But yeah, other than that, no, not so much.
0: So it, it, at five points, it's much more like a family reunion. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, I, I actually I, had I parents helping out at Designer Con, so that so that I could wander a little bit. That yeah, was a little bit of a break.
0: I brought my nephew this year he was working mm. <laughs> so
3: I'll probably bring my steps to five points.
0: He'll be a famous person He'll be taking photos with everybody.
3: Well we could yeah he could be a famous youtuber by now maybe
0: at some point he can review urban robot cat podcast <laughs> I
3: was I was thinking it'd be funny if like if he's at the booth and they're playing like the DJs playing a song we do like quick reviews like on Instagram or something
1: yeah, but I'm thinking about designing Con. you guys really are not selling it for me still makes me the more you get you're welcome at my booth anytime I appreciate that I'm just like I'm like everybody's like you gotta do it and then all of a sudden I hear like these stories about it and I'm like that sounds like a lot to deal with it's it's sort of like it's like Wrestlemania
3: like on the surface you're like oh man it's gonna be fucking awesome all my favorite people are gonna be there it's gonna be great and then you're like oh this is a seven hour (laughs) pay-per-view and it's like it's like this is cool but like wow uh it's it's a little it's a little overwhelming but it's like I wouldn't want to be anywhere else it's really cool. And D- and Disney's right across the street. All right, I'm sold.
0: I You got to think of it from the um the fan experience versus the vendor experience. Um, if you're a fan and you have time to walk around and see all this stuff, absolutely amazing because you're never gonna find a bigger collection of all the people that you absolutely love, right? <laughs> and I think you need
3: a couple days. You can't do that in one day, I don't think. Yeah,
0: you would be running through there to if you actually wanted to look at stuff and do it. You know, you'd be like, look, 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 okay, next row, you know, <laughs> like but it from a vendor perspective, it's just, you know, it's we used to we were used to more like five points and now it's grown to a much larger state. So now it's just harder for us to still be able to experience the show ourselves and we're feeling grumpy about it.
3: I'm just happy to be a part of it, guys.
0: <laughs> but that has nothing to do with the, the show or how they're putting it on. They, they do an amazing job putting the show on. They do an amazing job taking care of the vendors and all that stuff.
3: It's basically the size of New York Comic Con now, which is insane. But at the same time, there's a lot more stuff I want to see at, at Designer
0: Con. But yes, Chris, to answer your question, Decon is good. I forgot I asked
3: that. I bet <laughs> you should go. We'll go to Disney. It'll be great.
1: See that? See, it, I'm sold on that part. <laughs> I might not. I might not make it into Decon. I'll just <laughs> just wave away from the <laughs>
2: Sorry, guys, it's getting a churro. Well, now there's that. Uh, what was it? Creature or something?
3: Oh, uh, the Creature Bazaar. Yeah, a couple of friends. I know are going out for that. And I think that that's kind of more of like uh, the Sephobi type guys. Uh, trying to do their own like Sofubi convention because there's a bunch of those like in Asia, but there's not really uh, just Safubi American convention. So I think that's that's the idea behind that. I think it's I think it's a cool idea. I don't I don't necessarily think that Five Points or Designer Con have like shunned them in any way, but if they want to do their own thing, that's awesome. Like more the merrier.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's uh, interesting to see more shows pop up across the country. It's just a matter of making sure that um, we're supporting them and people there's fans for them and it's being promoted well and getting people out because um you know we've as a toy community or art independent art community or any of that kind of stuff we've all kind of latched on to things like New York Comic Con San Diego Comic Con C2E2 like these you know big comic conventions and we don't really fit in there and you know the average um person that wants to come and buy our stuff a lot of times can't even get into those shows because either A, the tickets are sold out, or B, the, the cost of the ticket is prohibitive from even coming in and buying stuff. We don't really fit in in those shows, so it's great to see smaller shows popping up. Um, it just, it's just a so whether or not down the road and in the long run, if it's a viable market to keep, keep going, and what shows are going to you know, kind of become the decon in five points, right? Uh, because for the longest time, we only had decon. And that was kind of like a pup you know three or four other shows are going to pop up, and only one of those survived, right So that was five points. and so now it's kind of those are the anchors, right spring and fall spring and fall, spring and fall, so where where it's going to you know what's going to fall in the middle or in the winter or wherever it you know is, um, it'll be interesting to see
3: yeah, like like doing the enamel pins and patches and, and shirts and all that other stuff, like we, we we have a couple more avenues open up to us like. You know, we have, like, a market season where we're super busy. Like, it's usually, like, from decon until after Christmas, we're very busy doing, like, various flea market, craft fair type stuff. And then in the spring, we get busy again. But, like, if you just make, like, toys and stuff like that, you got, like, two events a year, that's, like, kind of weird. Like, you kind of should have more options out there. So the more the merrier, and then maybe, you know, it brings more people in.
0: Otherwise, we're you know kind of looking at um, events like Corey does, like local comic cons or doing like um, you know craft type shows, um, and we don't really fit in there. And, you know, it's
3: no, and, and, you, and you find that people don't really like; they're not looking for a, a vinyl toy, whereas like the visuals at like you know designer con of five points be like oh you don't have to explain this I, I know what we're what you're what's going on here you know
2: <laughs> where do you think the the next big show could be you know you think it's just sticking I to it, new york i think it's gotta be California. it's gotta
3: be regional you know like i, w- I would love to see like a, a midwest like a chicago event or something it would be cool um, yeah i think chicago would do well like i i just feel like if you're gonna do something in in new york it's like you know, why would, why would you do that? We got five points already. Like there's, it's it's weird in New Jersey, there's like three or four different horror conventions. And it's like, don't you all realize that like you literally have the same people and like they're, the weird thing too, they don't space them out either. Like yeah. you obviously, obviously you have to have yeah. it in October. That makes sense. But then it's like, well, you didn't have to have yours in April because they just had theirs in March. And then you don't need to have yours also in March to compete with that. It's like, dude, like, you're all horror conventions. Like you have a calendar, like but- spread this out better. <laughs> But they all, but they all do well. They, no, yeah, but, I think I think they all but, do okay.
1: But they all do well. I mean, that's the thing, and they all have like big draw, kind of like guests. Like when yeah. you look
3: at them, there's some better than others.
1: Well, there's there's some better. <laughs> like, well,
3: you got Chiller, which is always pretty good. But I think Chiller used to be re- like the big one, and it kind of fell off, and now Chiller's like whoever's not dead from three's companies also here, and it's <laughs> like, oh, Mrs. Roper's still there. Oh, um, what
1: the what, what did you just do? You killed.
3: But then, like Monster Mania, will have like the big like horror people, and then there's like another one. I can't remember the name of it, but they'll be like Father Evil will be there. It's like, Who the fuck is Father Evil? <laughs> like it's like it's not a guest.
1: <laughs> well, did did you used to go to the Fangoria ones when they used to do them?
3: Oh, ah, oh, jeez, did I, I remember them, but I don't know if I ever went to them.
1: They they were great, and they actually mm. they used to do them in the city too. They actually were right. in like the, the New Yorker Hotel. Hmm. And the last year I tried going, it actually we got there and it was sold out because Bruce Campbell was signing. So it was like the big like you know kind of like push. And I, I saw him. I got him, I got his autograph on something. Yeah, me too. At <laughs> Barnes and Nobles, and when he did uh, his first book, um, if chins could kill. Oh yeah, yeah, I have that book. Oh, See that one, or the, was it—the story of a B-rate movie. I don't remember. It was, the same. But anyway. it was the
3: same. It was like if Chins could kill the story of a B-rate movie, or something like that. I think it was all one long title.
1: Similar long lines. yeah. All right, mm-hmm. but yeah. I mean, I don't know. The horror conventions were always kind of fun, but good people watching. Price... Yeah, and the prices, but the prices have gotten insane.
3: That's well, uh, I feel like Monster Mania was only—I like went like last, like a uh, couple months ago. I guess when they had it in uh, August, and it was like twenty bucks to get in, twenty-five something like that. It wasn't
1: That's not so bad. That's bad. No, but then,
3: but then to get somebody's autograph, you're looking at like ninety or something like right. that. I think I did. I did get Ric Flair's autograph though, because you're not going to not get Ric Flair's autograph.
1: Is well, not, not going to be
0: around for much longer? That's what I know? thought.
3: I was like, I was like you write woo on it? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, can we do the four horsemen hand sign? And he's like, yeah. So I was like, all right.
0: Can you put me in the figure four leg lock? Yeah, he probably would have. He's like, you're paying me. I don't give a shit. Yeah,
3: he Gave me everything I wanted. <laughs> I think I'm in the four horsemen now, though.
0: No, but um, to answer Corey's question, I, I think logically the most successful place for a, another toy convention to pop up that is basically the third Decon Five Points, it, it has to be Chicago, and the reason being is that C2E2 actually had a pretty decent presence, similar to the block in New York City at NYCC, where people were traveling in um, to set up tables and set up booths. And similar to New York Comic Con, though, that has dissipated and a lot of the area has cleared out uh, because they've made room for, you know, giant semi trucks to park in there and different things. So I think that if it was going to happen that's where it could happen because travel's relatively cheap in the midwest there it's located in the middle of the country so if people want to come from new york and california it wouldn't be too bad um yep canada and it's a big enough city that it still has you know most amenities that people want and people kind of see it as a vacation kind of spot too like oh i've never been to chicago might be something that somebody says when they go to a convention in chicago so i think you know, if you try to put it in like Columbus, Ohio, people are gonna be like, What? <laughs> like you know, so I, I think Chicago is the place where it could be successful. Um, but if you did it in a city like Indianapolis or Columbus or some you know smaller city, it probably could save everybody a lot of money. But whether or not fans are gonna travel in is still an issue. Right.
2: With doing it in Chicago like that kinda holds it back is that most of the Artists are in New York and California.
0: Hmm. So well, there's a was it, it, it
3: Rotofugi is in Chicago, right?
0: Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a there's actually a lot of Midwest uh, artists. Ohio has like a pretty big hot buck, uh, like a hotbed of random people that are all here. Uh, there's a few people in Indiana. Chicago has a decent amount of people, um, but you know, the people from California are traveling to Five Points, and people in New York travel to Decon. Um, so it's just a matter of whether or not you're going to get everybody to travel or, you know, those kind of things. The only other thing that makes it fairly more accessible is Chicago is a major uh, hub as an airport. So flights are relatively cheap because they, a lot of times, are um, just the first connecting wave of, an, of a flight, right? So you usually get a pretty good flight to Chicago price-wise.
3: That is true. And they got wacky hot yeah. dogs.
0: You can get a Chicago dog. Or you can get an Al's Beef, and uh, they can dip it in the azu for you.
2: So when do we start? When are we going to start to plan the uh, urban robot cat? Yeah, con. Yeah. Urban urban robot con. Um,
0: you know I can't take on any other jobs right now, but I'm glad to um, assist in some way.
2: I will attend, but Chris will be the money man. He can back everything. <laughs> Wait, what?
0: Just uh, just on based on our last episode where uh, Miranda was talking about the overruns in New York City. Um, I can tell you that I can't, if I can't afford the overruns, I can't afford to run the convention.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went over by 200 grand. How did you not go bankrupt?
0: <laughs> well, guys, we've been talking for a while, so uh, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, bleeding Edges, Jeff, if you want to go ahead and toss out uh, all your social media stuff so the people that are listening can find you.
3: Sure, you could follow me on Instagram at, uh, at Bleeding Edges. You could follow BXE Buttons at BXE Buttons x Station Uh, You can follow my uh, YouTube channel that I do with my stepson at Ned Listens To on Instagram. You could follow my band Wallbreaker at Wallbreaker NJ and download our new recording. Uh right now I've got the kickstarter running right now for the Dr. Plaguewind vinyl toy. Uh it's almost done. Let's, you know, get some more stretch goals and do some cool stuff. Uh I've got a piece in the 1984 to 2020 Punk on the Western Front art show at Art Attack in San Francisco. I'm also going to have a piece in the Mothership Gallery's Food Fight show in later in March and I'll see y'all at 5.0.
1: Chris, you want to go ahead and give them yours? Uh, yeah, before I do, I do want to say something really cool because I forgot to mention it earlier. When I was at a a, uh, a fair a couple of days ago, I was wearing our, uh, our hoodie, the Urban Robot Cat hoodie that No Love City printed for us, and uh, somebody actually was like, hey, I listened to that podcast. And I was like, oh, <laughs> crap, that's pretty crazy. So I just want to give a shout-out to Bat Factory. Uh, she makes a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and for me you can find me on Instagram at, at ChrisRWK or at RobotsWillKill pretty much all the social media the same thing
2: Corey, uh, Strange Cat Toys and all the social medias and StrangeCatToys.com and
0: I'm Travis Likens you can find me at UVD Toys on Instagram and all other social medias and then UVDToys.com to check out all the products that we have um, if you want to give a comment on uh, you know all of Chris's wonderful uh, commentary on this Podcast. you can always send that over to urbanrobotcat at gmail.com. We also want to take a second to say thank you again to Stickerfied, stickerfied Stickerfied.com, and No Love City, where you can pick up that uh, Urban Robot Cat t-shirt at nolovecity.com. But this has been the Urban Robot Cat podcast, the show about art and the people who make it.
1: Welcome back dreams were your ticket out welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about
3: well the names have all changed since you hung around but those dreams have remained and they've turned around